This podcast is supported by VPLA, Victorian Planning Environmental Law Association. Welcome to the Planning Exchange, where we interview built environment professionals who are doing interesting work beyond the ordinary. I'm Jess Noonan, and I'm joined by my colleague, Peter Jewell. Today, we're speaking with Tim Jackson, who's the only person we've ever interviewed in a bunker. Tim has had a varied career predominantly in different facets of government across Victoria, starting at Grand Council and is now based in South Australia. He's currently the administrator at the District Council of Cooper Pedy, hence the comment about the bunker, and is formerly, is formerly the CEO of Playford Council. He's also done extensive work with the not-for-profit sector. Welcome to the show, Tim. Pleasure to be here, Jess. Now, Pete, did you want to add any further context to Tim's intro, given your long and varied history together? Well, uh, dear listener, I, I, I do, I've got to declare a conflict of interest because I did uh, play many games of football uh, with uh, Tim Jackson and we also used to go bushwalking in, in Tasmania and around Victoria. So he knows lots of things about me that's probably not good for public consumption. So it's an absolute delight and pleasure to have Jacko, as uh, you might hear me call him. And you might hear him call me Julie. And I've got to declare, I haven't changed my gender or anything like that. That was just my nickname when I played football uh, with Ogs Old Geelong. So uh, well, hopefully we can get some dirt on you through this, Pete. No, no, no. Tim's yep. very discreet yep. fellow. So <laughs> so if you, if you hear references to Julie, it's, uh, as I say, I haven't changed my gender. It's just that was my nickname. So Jacko, I'll get straight into it. You're, you're currently administrator at the District Coop, Council of Cooper Pedy. Can you describe the place, uh, location, climate, and what makes it so different from everyone else and why you're in a bunker? Sure, Julie. Yeah, um, <clears throat> uh, lovely to join you too. Um, and can I just say, uh, um, Julie overlooked uh, uh, our, our drinking uh, ex- uh, 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 drinking. Um, <clears throat> opportunities that we had. Uh, we had some pretty uh, lively uh, nights uh, on the town, so uh, he, he failed to mention that. So, um, yeah, I'm in a bunker. I'm in what's called a, a dugout. It's uh, an underground house. Uh, essentially, they're normally built in the side of a hill. They're tunnelled out. Uh, and, of course, uh, tunnelling in Kubipedes, uh something that uh, uh, people know a lot about because this is the opal capital of the world. The opal capital of the world, uh, so it's a, it's a it's an opal mining town, uh, and uh, majority of people actually uh, live under underground. So about sixty percent of people in the town. It's only a small town. It's about uh, sixteen hundred odd people. The population was much larger, uh, say twenty five years ago. It was probably about four or five thousand when opal mining was really booming, and there was significant uh, migration from uh, Eastern Europe. Uh, but um, the, the population has declined but stabilised around that 1,500, 1,600 odd people. Um, it, where is it located? And I appreciate there are people from uh, all around the globe uh, listening. So uh, if, you, if you go to the middle of Australia, and most of you would have heard of uh, Ayers Rock, it, it's, um, it's not actually that near Ayers Rock, but um, it's about um, probably about six, six or 700, well, it's actually 600 kilometres from um, from Alice Springs, and Alice Springs is near to uh, Uluru, uh, which uh, uh, is the name now for uh, Ayers Rock. Um, it, uh, and it's about 900 uh, kilometres from Adelaide, uh, which is the capital uh, of uh, South Australia, which is an Australian state of about 1.6 million people, uh, and Adelaide itself's got about 1.2 million. So you can see that people are generally concentrated in, in Adelaide or within sort of 200 kilometres uh, of Adelaide. Um, there's a large part of this state that really is not, um, does not have a, a, a high population and uh, is, is very arid uh, outback uh, and uh, uh, is uh, uh, significant uh, uh, Aboriginal communities uh, living uh, across that Across that area, um, it's uh, it's hot um, most of the year, uh, and, and particularly hot at, uh, during the summer, which is uh, which is sort of uh, <clears throat> November, sort of through to April, um, March, April. Uh, yeah, so you know, forty-five degrees is not uncommon, and that's why uh, those miners 
years and years and years ago, decided that it was best to live underground. Uh, underground, you, we don't, uh, we live in a three-bedroom, two-bathroom underground house, <clears throat> large living area, um, and we don't need any air conditioning. It's uh, it's 22, 23 degrees uh, all, all year round, uh, and that's the beauty of, of living un, uh, underground. Uh, in terms of the economics of the town, um, it was the reason the town exists is because of opal mining, um, and uh, uh, there wouldn't be a town here, and there really are no other towns uh, within uh, five or six hundred kilometres uh, of uh, uh, of Coobapedi. There is one uh, uh, sizable settlement, which is Roxby Downs, which is a uh, a, a copper, principally a copper mining. Um, uh, a town uh, which is a BHP uh, town, and um, it was only created because of that uh, that ore body. Uh, so, um, so really, there there is very little. We're we're in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and uh, but what um, what has taken over in more recent times is government services. Our largest employer in town is government services. So, uh, private health education to a to to the region. Uh, as I said, there are no there. Are, there are virtually no settlements of any size um, within, you know, probably uh, you know, 500 kilometres uh, radius. Uh, so uh, this town plays a plays a service role, has an airport, um, uh, and uh, and the oil mining. But B, because we live in in uh, in, in a different fashion uh, and and do business underground and live underground, uh, and people are very very fascinated by that. So yeah, that's essentially. Um, uh, a little bit about Cooper Petey. I don't think I've ever asked this question and I don't anticipate probably ever asking it again, but um, given that you that most people do live underground, are there separate building codes and planning scheme requirements for building houses underground? Yeah, really great question, Jess. Um, uh, we, we now have a statewide um, planning scheme which uh, came into effect in the last couple of years uh, so there is no specific reference um, to uh, under, underground uh, living, uh, but it um, there was previously, of course, because we had our own planning our own planning scheme. Uh, but in terms of the building code, yes, um, uh, there there is there is mention of living uh, or constructing. Um, uh, uh, dwellings, let me, uh, I can't say buildings, <laughs> are constructing dwellings underground. Uh, and um, it, it, when, that, when that was, this is a really interesting story, when that was introduced, um, there was great consternation because um, uh, the building code required structural engineering certification. And uh, of course, to get a, a, certif a certified, to get certification to get a structural engineer here is not easy. Um, you know, it's a, it's it's a full day drive up and you know up and a full day drive back um, and then you've got to be in town to, to actually do the work so you can imagine the costs of getting structural engineers up here and even if you fly there's not a flight every day it's only every second day uh, so um, there was um, as I said a bit of pushback here um, in, in terms of that requirement and uh, I, this all predates me but uh, it, the the, uh, the state government and the council worked together, and what they did was they created a committee of the council. Um, so it has a, it has a legal basis. Uh, I just it's called the Underground Construction Advisory Committee, uh, and uh, it's obviously covered by the council's insurances, etc., etc., etc. Now that's comprised of miners, uh, not structural engineers. <laughs> uh, it's comprised of miners, and the miners certify. Uh, as to whether or not the the construction um, is, is is sound structurally, so uh, you know these guys are you know tunneling underground. They know whether the roof's going to stay up um, and what the span the span of the open space should be. So um, yeah, we've got this group of miners um, who uh, who make a recommendation as to whether or not a proposed uh, underground dwelling should be approved. Jack, I'd, I'd love to go to one of their committee meetings, I'm sure. <laughs> they're, pretty, they're, pretty, they're pretty informal, Julie. <laughs> I'm sure they're not serving tea and coffee. Um... <laughs> Thanks for the support from Ratio Consultants, an independent voice and trusted partner in planning, urban design, transport and waste management. 
Ratio supports change through projects that shape cities, neighbourhoods and places for people. See ratio.com.au for details. Now, for about two decades before you were at Kubernetes, you were at uh, the CEO, and that's the Chief Executive Officer at Playford Council. It's a fairly significant council area within Adelaide. Um, can you describe the place and what were the major issues affecting that council? Um, I'm sorry, I should know, but you were there for at least a dozen, uh, 10 years or something, weren't you? Uh, I, I think it was 18, I think, in the end, I think. Couldn't get rid of you, Jacko, but no, tell, us, could, tell, could... tell, us, tell us about Playford. Yeah, well, I, I, I did, I, I did, I literally did go there for three years. Um, and you know what was happening was uh, there were there were council amalgamations, local government reorganisation in South Australia, and that had followed um, local government reorganisation in Victoria. Jeff Kennett, for those that uh, are Australians, uh, was under uh, he was the premier at the time. So South Australia followed Victoria and. Um, I went through it. I was working in Victoria at the time. The Kennet reform was uh, uh, occurring, and uh, then that, and, and principally, that's the reason I got recruited to South Australia because when they decided to reorganise local government in South Australia, um, this council area decided um, they wanted someone from Victoria that had been through it before. So that's essentially how I how I got to South Australia, and I really was only moving there for two or three years, I, I was going to merge two councils. There were two, two councils that were had, had decided to, to merge, not, not um, um, a bit reluctantly, but they had decided to merge. It was a voluntary, well, inverted commons voluntary process in, in, in South Australia, unlike, uh, unlike Victoria. So, um, yeah, so I, that's, that's, uh, that's sort of how I, how I got here and, uh, and then I stayed in the role for 18 years. And I guess the reason I stayed in the role for 18 years was the area in which I was working was so, was, was so um, challenging and interesting. And so it, it, was, uh, it, it was on the northern, so as I said, Adelaide is a city of about 1.2 million people. It's, it's, it's a small city. Um, it's, it's a capital city of one of the states, but um, it's certainly on the small end. Uh, I think there's only Hobart in Tasmania that's uh, smaller in terms of the capital. Um, of course, there's uh, Canberra, which is also smaller, but it's not a state, and, and Darwin's not a state either, uh, up in the Northern Territory. But um, uh, yeah, so um, uh, it's it's on the northern fringe uh, of um, of Adelaide, and and your um, listeners will be interested in in this because it was actually a satellite. It was built as a satellite city, um, so it was built on its own. It was was actually divorced from the the metropolitan area proper. Um, so the Premier at the time was a fellow called Tom Playford. Uh, he was a Liberal. Uh, he governed the state for a long time. Uh, he decided that um, South, uh, South Australia needed to uh, transition from being a state principally based on agriculture to one based on manufacturing. Uh, so he created this city, which, which, which was a city of the future. Uh, it's based on the new town movement in, in, in the UK. Uh, and he created Elizabeth, and he named it Elizabeth. And of course, have a guess who that was named after? Uh, Queen uh, Queen Elizabeth. And um, uh, so that's sort of how Elizabeth and it was. And, and the city initially was called. It's now called the city of Playford. Uh, obviously named after the, the premier who who created it. But uh, the city that uh, that was created this future this this the city of the future was called the city of Elizabeth. And it was highly successful, fully, you know, fully planned city. Um, and a lot of British migrants came, uh, principally British migrants, and um, looking for a better life. You know, here's this fantastic new city. Everything's brand new, shopping centres, ovals, you know, everything, wide streets, trees, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So a huge influx uh, of people. It grew very, very quickly. Uh, uh, industry was uh, was was sought, um, pursued. Uh, General Motors Holden, of course, uh, closed um, a few years back. Um, but the major plant in Australia was uh, was was in Elizabeth, and uh, and at one stage they were employing ten thousand workers. Uh, so um, yeah, so that's uh, that's uh, the sort of the city of Elizabeth. Uh, adjoining that was sort of agricultural areas, which was a which was a shire, um, so a, a, you know a, a rural based uh, local government area, uh, and uh, that was that was uh, well eventually it was called um, the city of Manapara, and uh, 
and of course, as Elizabeth outgrew its boundaries, so the, the city or the future outgrew its boundaries, uh, it spilled into the agricultural areas of the city of Manapara. So it was the city of Manapara and the city of Elizabeth that agreed, agreed as I said, um, they probably weren't that keen on it, but anyway, they had no choice. Um, so they agreed to uh, to merge. Um, look, um, Elizabeth was perhaps not successful um, as a, an experiment. Um, it became um, an area where uh, there was high unemployment, particularly when the downturn in the manufacturing industry occurred in Australia, you know, 20, 25 years ago. Um, uh, you know, a lot of manufacturing went offshore. Uh, Holden obviously was downsizing, uh, you know, and that, that was due to automation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, uh, yeah, so uh, really um, the, the, the new city of Playford, in terms of the CIFA index, and the CIFA index is the level of social disadvantageness. Um, uh, it's an index uh, that the federal government in Australia um, determines. Um, uh, uh, Playford was the third poorest community uh, in, in South Australia, uh, so uh, had a lot of you know, a lot of social a lot of social challenges, um, and uh, but uh, but it also um, uh, when I particularly when I was just before I'd, I'd, I'd come along, um, it was it was starting to be uh, essentially where most of Adelaide's growth was occurring. Um, if people know Adelaide, um, to um, to the west, there's 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 um, there's uh, the Gulf, uh, so uh, water. Um, uh, to the uh, to the east, uh, hills and quite significant hills, which uh, development is is restricted. So the city can only uh, extend um, north and south, uh, and the south and the south is. Limited because it's uh, it's it's a it's a very very fine wine growing area. Um, so um, people uh, don't want to lose that. So most of the development in Adelaide is occurring in in Playford. So that was really what you know what I had to deal with. Um, and I guess what was interesting was that uh, we could we, we we needed to regenerate some of these sub uh, the, some of these uh, suburbs. You know they were forty years old, fifty years old, and they hadn't been well cared for and um, we we did some joint developments between the old old building stock uh, and um, you know green greenfields development, uh, so that there could be some of the profit off the off the greenfields development channeled back into refurbishing the brownfields, um, what I call brownfields, um, but those areas requiring regeneration. So it became a very very exciting um, part of town, uh, and, and 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 still is uh, a, a lot of industry. Uh, you know, high tech industry has moved uh, into the area. It's it also has um, because of its proximity, it has a lot of intensive farming as well because there's still a lot of uh, agricultural land in the, in the, in in the city. Um, so it's really the food basket for South Australia and and uh, a lot of Australia in terms of uh, uh, you know vegetables. Uh, yeah, so that's you know probably in a nutshell a bit about the bit about the area. And Tim, of those 18 years that you were there, how many years of those were you CEO? Was that the whole time? I was, I was a CEO for the whole time. So, yes, I was recruited. Oh, wow. Okay. I was, I was recruited as the CEO. And, um, in fact, I was the CEO, which was probably one of the worst periods of my life. Um, I, was, I, was C, I, was, I was recruited in February of 1977, uh, um, but the amalgamation wasn't occurring until May. Uh, and so, therefore, and both CEOs of the two councils had left. Um, so I became the CEO of both of, of two councils simultaneously, and I had two groups of elected people, uh, and they hated each other's guts. Um, and the two mayors were running against each other to become the mayor of the new city. <laughs> so it was uh, it, it was difficult. Well, Jacko, I'm sure you got broad shoulders, um, and you got a good. Good common sense. I'm sure you dock some heads together. As CEO, just just returning to Playford for a moment, you said it was a great example, great example of individuals and organisations working together to you know improve in place. Can you just talk to about you know how do you get people together and and there's a lot of goodwill out there, but it needs to be sort of uh, harnessed. How do you 
you know, in a minute or so, so to put you yeah. on the spot. But how do you do that? Yeah, look, with look with great, you know, great difficulty. Um, I've got to say, it's. Um, I think it is the challenge. It, it is the challenge in well in Australia. It's a challenge anywhere. Uh, getting you know, getting people, getting state and federal governments to work together. You know, the the, the business sector. You know, the not for profit sector. Uh, yeah, look, it, it's it, it really is a it really is a challenge. Um, what 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 we did uh, was um, we created what was called the Playford Partnership, uh, and uh, essentially we created a forty year plan for the city, and um, we and it was citizen driven. Uh, it was not top down. It was bottom up. Um, we uh, we had fifteen hundred face-to-face uh, uh, engagements with individuals. Um, and uh, I think we consulted 250 organisations, I think. And, th- and these were not just, you know, putting an ad in the paper. <laughs> um, you know, this was, we actually met, we met with them. So we had this, um, this 40-year plan. And, um, wh- and, and what we did was we actually set performance um long-term performance targets around, you know, economic, social and environmental and, and governance uh, uh, and, uh, you know, in, endeavoured to use that as a vehicle, you know, this this will hold us, make us accountable uh, and, um, uh, and and then we used to report uh, on that back, back to the community and um, I'm pretty sure the council's still doing that, that's survived. I mean, I've been gone for probably, you know, five or six years now. Um, you know, that survived. So I was really saying, well, um, this is where we want to be. Um, now, we've all got to work together to, to, to achieve this. Um, and we had, we had governance arrangements like, you know, we had a meeting, you know, we, the three levels of government met and we monitored uh, how, we, how, you know, how we were going because we were accountable for a lot of those targets uh, uh, and how we needed to work together to achieve the targets that the citizens of Playford had set. And Tim, as CEO, how do you create the space to think mid to long term when there are obviously so many pressing immediate issues? Yeah, look, um, good question, Jess. Uh, I mean, I learned, I learned along the way. You know, you don't. <laughs> I hadn't been. It was my. I should say it was my first CEO role. Um, and uh, uh, so. Sure, just on that, what did you study at uni? I did, um, well, actually, when I did it, it was a diploma of business at RMIT, Royal Melbourne, okay. Institute, of Tech, Royal Melbourne Institute of Technology. But, yeah. but, but in those days, it was um, you, you, the first two years were common with, you know, other, you know, you know business administration type courses. And then in the last year, we went specifically into local government. So we sort of specialised in in local government, um, but you know we got a we got a business training basis, I guess. Um, and and yeah. Jacko, you were you were deputy town clerk at the city of Paran for a bit, weren't you? Was it was that right? Or... Um, uh, well, I, I think I think deputies had sort of deputies and deputies had gone sort of by the wayside. I think um, that's what that I told point. the police. That's what I told the police. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. <laughs> they seem to accept it. They seem yeah. to know you, Jacko. But uh, yeah. so, so well, that, you, you, what was your role at Paran Council, which is a for our listeners, that's an inner city Melbourne suburb, which is uh, yeah, yeah. Well, well, I was uh, well, I had a number of roles, but um, um, in the end, I mean, I started, I started, you know, from um, university, uh, and I was doing payroll. So I started, I started, you know, very, you know, well, it's an important role because you need to get people's pay right. Um, but I was doing payroll, so that's where I started, and I almost became the CEO there. Um, there was only one vote in it, and um, but uh, it, that vote went against me. Um, so I think it was four, yeah, four three, I think. Uh, so um, yeah, but I was I was essentially you know, at that next level. I was you know I was I was the acting CEO at the City of Sonnington for about three or four months before people. Uh, again, for people that don't know, um, Kenneth reorganised local government. The Premier of the state reorganised local government in Victoria, and uh, and um, and then put, put in put in uh, unelected people like like what I'm doing now, administra- administrator, unelected people to run the council for three years, and then and then return to 
uh, having elected uh, representatives and uh, I, I led the council for uh, I think it was three or four months prior to that election and the new council then didn't appoint me. <laughs> so, um, but um, um, yeah, so that that's uh, that, that's sort of yeah, what I was doing. I was at that next level. There was a, and, and again, people may not know, but there was this, this move uh, to outsource things and Kenneth, the Premier at the time, said that 40% of... Um, no, 50 percent of all council expense of, of an individual council's expenditure uh, had to be subject subjected to um, to market uh, to a market tender. Uh, so that included things like childcare. It wasn't just road construction. Uh, it was things like childcare and libraries and yeah, yeah, pretty uh, pretty out there sort of stuff. Uh, and um, I sort of um, uh, I, I managed uh, I managed all that process. And, Sorry, it was pretty, we, that, and that was pretty. That was pretty disturbing. I've got to say, you know, some a lot of people lost their jobs. And, yeah, um, it would have been really yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, we've gone a little bit off track there. I was just, I, I always think it's really interesting um, how people get into CEO positions and what the the career path is to get there. Um, yeah, particularly in local government. So yeah, um, I had a great. Sorry, I had a Jess. I had a great. I had a great mentor, or I, I had great mentors, and. Uh, and in the end, uh, the last fellow was was fantastic too. So you know, I, I you know I really wanted to, uh, as part of this, uh, you know, um, you know, reinforce the importance of mentors. Oh, totally. Something we talk about quite a lot on here. Um, so sorry, we we didn't really um, finish that last question. So <laughs> and apologies, I, I railroaded that. So as CEO, how do you create the space to think about the mid to long term when there are a lot of other pressing immediate issues? Yeah, well, can I perhaps just tell you a story? Um, I, I mean, I, I I used to try and take um, six weeks annual leave um, uh, each year. Uh, so I, I, I purchased a couple of, in, in Australia, you get four weeks annual leave. You, I, I used to purchase an additional two weeks of annual leave. So I'd have six six weeks. So I'd try and use it all in, in a block and go and, and travel sort of extensively overseas. Uh, and generally, as part of some of that overseas, Travel, um, you know, we do some, uh, you know, high altitude type walking somewhere um, in the Himalayas or in uh, South America or whatever. Um, and um, yeah, so you know, you spend a lot of time, um, you know, you have a lot of time to think <laughs> without <laughs> without phones and uh, computers and even you know running into people and that sort of stuff. So. Um, and my management team, you know, used to dread it when I used to go on leave because I'd come back with all these stupid ideas that I <laughs> that I dreamt up whilst um, whilst uh, you know walking or or travelling on a train or you know doing something something like that. So, check out. It sounds like <clears throat> some of the ideas we we used to come up with. Uh, <laughs> we were, <laughs> that's probably a lot more sensible. Your ideas? No, I, no, they, I, they weren't. They no, no. They, those conversations you and me used to have were absolutely ridiculous. So just uh, absolute nonsense. Well, I, I don't <laughs> want to distract you, but yes, yeah, sorry. So that's how you found time to. Yeah. Uh, so, I, so, so I really reflected on the year and 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 worked out what I what I wanted to achieve in the next year. Um, so uh, I really and and it was good because it, it gave me an opportunity to recharge my batteries. And and also it gave an a good opportunity for one of my one of my, um, my one of my people to act in my role, um, you know. And I think again, you know, um, that's me playing. You know, I'm not a great mentor, but but providing an opportunity for someone to you know get a decent go at you know being the acting CEO. Jacko, uh, I want to talk to you about media and. You know, media typically beating up on local government and you know trying to get gotchas and you know their fair game and sometimes there's a distorted view put out um in the general public about you know the hard work that a lot of councils do and they have to keep the services running everything like that have you any thoughts about how reporting can be made better whilst of course maintaining scrutiny which media has to do uh, presenting a more balanced view any any thoughts on this uh <sighs> Probably not. <laughs> it's 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 a, it's a tough one. Look, I think um, um, you know. Look, even even in Cooperpedia, there's a there's a there is an, an online newspaper, and they they've just you know, she she the woman that owns and and is the only employee, um, uh, you know, is really um, taken a dislike to me and the council. Uh, 
So, yeah, it is It is difficult. But, look, I've got, you know, for instance, just an, an example at the moment. I mean, I'm finishing up uh, next week, but I've, I've sort of um, uh, I've organised for the ABC to come up here uh, and to do a report uh, on uh, an issue that I've been trying to fix for four years, and that's the price of water in Cooper Pedy, which is three times what it, what it is in Adelaide. Uh, <clears throat> so... I guess it's about it is about you know relationships, and I know that's harder um, these days because, and particularly for the journalists, I think because you've got to be mindful now. You know, there's there's so few of them. Um, uh, you know, they, uh, they 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 really can only you know, scoot across the you know the top uh, sort of thing. So, um, and they're all you know they're predominantly young people, um, and uh, yeah. So, um, but at the end of the day, it is. It is about trying to build relationships, and and I, and I guess you know, and, and not being surprised when they do you know dump it on you because you know that's their job, uh, and um, you can't expect it all to be good news. Um, uh, you know things don't go right, um, and you know we we've got to fess up to that, and uh, and not you know try and carry, cover our backsides. We just need to be honest. Tim, as I alluded to in the introduction, um, you've had quite a extensive career in uh, the not-for-profit sector. And I, from what I understand, you moved into that sector after Playford. Uh, can you just provide some further context to that? What kind of um, volunteering were you doing? Yeah, sure, sure. Well, um, I mean, I've, I've always been a you know, volunteer. Um, so whilst, you know, you know, Julie was, you know, drinking at the bar, you know, I was, you know, I was trying to run the football club. Um, <laughs> Chaka, that's so unfair. That's <laughs> very accurate. I, I, I used to sell the <laughs> raffle tickets and uh, I always over-promised on the raffle and we got so much money from that and I was on the committee. But anyway, Jess, let's sound very uh, defensive. Yeah, uh, no, I have. <laughs> so after I, after I left, um, after I left Playford, um, uh, I, I, I actually got involved in volunteering uh, administration. Uh, so there are peak there are peak bodies in in all each each state uh, and 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 and, uh, and territory uh, that um, that uh, you know advocate uh, for volunteering uh, with, with with government etc cetera, etc cetera, and try and support volunteers. Uh, and there is a national body uh, to, to to do that as well. And of course, there is a world body. Uh, as well, so I got heavily involved in that um, initially, and, and particularly because the organisation was in all sorts of trouble um, for a whole range of reasons, you know, financial and um, CO wise, etc., etc., etc. So we were about to go broke, and um, I, you know, I, I, you know, I obviously had some, you know, manage, management skills and financial skills. Um, so I, I joined the I joined the board, and I eventually became the, the chair of uh, of volunteering. SA and NT, which is the Northern Territory, so we cover um, a territory in, in, in Australia, which is uh, uh, a territory that doesn't have a lot of people, but it's a very, very large uh, area, uh, and, and and of course South Australia. So uh, and I and ultimately I became also um, uh, president or chair of um, Volunteering Australia um, as well. So yeah, so I got into that, um, but I also went into I, you know, I, went into, I had an interest in social housing. I joined a board, uh, a board that was um, heavily involved in, in, in social housing. Um, I was, uh, I, I joined a board uh, in the disability sector. We were going, we were transitioning from, obviously from um, uh, to the to the NDIS from the state you know, based um, um, block funding uh, arrangement. Um, so that was a huge, huge change management process for those disability organisations. So. Again, I'd had a fair bit of experience in change management, so I was of some use uh, there. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, you know, that, that was sort of, uh, you know, I'm involved with a, a small charity that, that supports um, uh, uh, 25 schools in the Philippines. Um, uh, yeah, so, yeah, very, very rewarding. And But, you know, it's really important that people like me, you know, bring our skills to help those organisations because, you know, the, the boards are all, you know, generally unpaid, uh, and there are limited, um, you know, limited senior staff, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and, and they're all trying to do good work, 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 and there's never enough money, and there's always too many problems, and uh, yeah, so or issues, I should say, that need to be fixed. Um, yeah, so that's 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 essentially what I what, what I did. 
Well, well, Tim, you, you'll be on my side. You'll be on Team Julie, not Team Chess. But I volunteer for the Melbourne Magic Festival along with, uh, you know, the Queensland Music Festival, a couple of other things. And Chess mocks me for being a volunteer at the Magic Festival. But um, but but we won't we, we won't ask you to comment on that. But is volunteering a health marker do you think of communities i mean the number of people who are actively engaged in volunteering uh does that represent sort of a healthy community do you think or yeah look it's it's a challenge i mean you know if you if you're involved with a if you're involved with an organization or if you live in a community um you know you're you're I'm not. I've no doubt you've experienced. You know, oh, well, you know, we haven't got anyone to do that, or the shortage of, you know, shortage. So there's never enough. There's never enough volunteers. Um, it's it is it, it is an ongoing challenge, and I think it's it's even you know harder now because um, uh, you know in, in households, uh, you know, gen- generally the two adults, um, if there are two adults. Uh, uh, you know, work, um, you know, either full-time or, or part-time and, you know, got raising young families and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, look, it, it's it's incredibly, uh, incredibly challenging and, um, you know, and not, whilst not wanting to um, uh, be derogative at all, it's no intention at all, but, um, you know, even, you know, volunteering because I, I you know, I was involved in uh, volunteering in Australia um, level and, uh, and and to some degree internationally, um, you know, volunteering. You know, Australians are great volunteers, um, but in other countries around the world, um, some think, "What's this volunteering thing? Uh, it's just not part of their culture." Uh, so, uh, and often when people, um, you know, and of course Australia is um, very reliant on on, on migrants, uh, and uh, you know, often when you know. And we've, and, and you know, when you look at our background, uh, all the, the statistics now in terms of people that were, you know, uh, born in uh, a country other than Australia, or, um, uh, yeah, I think um, you know that that sort of cultural shift is also a challenge. You know, when they come to Australia, uh, if, if they come from a community where volunteering is not part of their culture, you know, how do they sort of make the transition to? Oh, well, this is how we do things in Australia. You know, we go down to the the local footy club, or we're on, we're on the school, you know, we're on the school council, or we're with, we're with the girl guides, or you know, whatever it is, uh, you know, the surf lifesaving club. So um, yeah, so you know, I think there are definitely challenges. I don't think the government, um, uh, I don't think governments recognise um, the importance of volunteering. Um, you know, there was um, uh, a South uh, a, a South Australian academic at Flinders University priced it for. For, for us um, in South Australia, not just in South Australia, in Australia, $120 billion a year uh, was the contribution that, and that was probably a decade ago, uh, uh, $120 billion a year in um, contribution made by volunteers to, you know, to this country. And I think at the time, um, at the time, the national, um, the Commonwealth government's spending budget, total spending budget was $900 billion, I think. Um, so, um uh, you know, you can see just how significant, and, and I think at the time it was larger than mine. I think, <laughs> I think with a with a statistic, so you can see um, uh, the importance of it. But I don't think government invests anywhere near enough in you know trying to enhance uh, volunteering. Tim, just going back to local government, you've gone from Playford, which is about hundred thousand people, to a small town of Cooper with a high transiency of population set in the desert. There must have been a very big culture shock, culture shock coming into that. But I'm, I'm also interested, I guess, in the role that you have there. Was that a culture shock as well? Yeah, look, I, I guess I, 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 I guess so, yeah. I'm, you know, I mean, workforce-wise, you know, we've got 55 employees. Um, Playford, when I left, I think we had 600, something like that. So, um, uh, yeah, look, look, vastly, vastly different and... Um, uh, and of course, uh, you know, very transparent as well because you know there's nowhere to hide. It's not like being in a city, you know, where there are millions of people and you can sort of go home and, on weekends and uh, disappear from your, you know, the community you serve. So yeah, no, very, very, very different. Um, but I always wanted to. I, I always, and, and it was one of the reasons that I actually took the. It wasn't the only reason, but it was one of the reasons that I took this role. Uh, you know, it's a it's an odd role for someone like me to take um, because it's very, very remote, small community and very, very challenging. Um, you know, council was dysfunctional. 
Um, and uh, But one of the reasons was I just wanted to understand how difficult it is to live and work in remote Australia. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I worked with, over the years, I, you know, we, we'd have conferences in Adelaide or Canberra and, you know, you'd get these guys that had come, you know, from central Australia somewhere uh, running, a, you know, running a, a small council. Um, and, you know, I, I just couldn't comprehend how these guys could operate because often the, le the legislation that they're required to minister is the same as Playford, <laughs> uh, you know, that's got 600 staff and, uh, you know, yet there's no, there's no regard had for the fact that, well, this council's only got 55 people, <laughs> um, you know, often in business uh, regulation, you know, small businesses under 30 or 50, you know, get exempted or, you know, or, or have some lower standard um, that recognises that small business, you know, just doesn't have the capacity of large business. But in local government, uh, generally, and I can't, I can certainly talk about Victoria and South Australia, um, uh, but I'm pretty sure about the same in the rest of Australia, you know, there's no, there's no regard had for size. So I just really wanted to understand how difficult it is to operate, you know, just getting staff, you know, now, when you you, know, you need something, it's you know it's it's not just well let's whip down the corner. <laughs> uh, it's nine hundred kilometres away. Um, uh, you know you, you can't get a part. Um, you know it, it can, we can put it on the plane, but the plane only comes every second day. Um, so you know all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, Chaco, yeah, that, that's that, you know remarkable, remarkable uh, that most people just do not understand that. I, I was with a rural shire halfway between Adelaide and Melbourne and the shire of Hindmarsh, the dear place. Mm, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that place is held together with a bit of string and a bit of sticky tape and the goodwill of the council people who've got to cover enormous distances. Mm. And, uh, you know, all credit to them. I mean, they, they yeah, and they're, as you say, they're accountable because they, everyone knows them. If, if something doesn't work, people let them know. But I, I wanted to just ask you, you know, Leadership, yep. natural or learnt, your thoughts. Um, what must a good leader possess? And I'm not, I'm sure you're an outstanding leader, but uh, not talking about yourself, but what those things are, is leadership learnt? Uh, does it come and what does a good leader need? Mm, yeah, you know, look, look, a great, great question. I think, look, I think it can be both. I mean, I think you've always, You've always got to, you know, keep learning. So, but you know, some, you know, some people just have a, you know, a bit of a, a natural um, tendency to, to to lead. Uh, uh, so, um, yeah, I think I, th I, th I think it's a bit of both. I think, um, but um, yeah, for me, it's, um, um, you know, I think leaders really need to to care for their people. Uh, I think that's if I had to put my finger on one single thing, I think. Um, you know, empathy, uh, you know, uh, caring for your staff is, uh, uh, is really, really important uh, in terms of organisational leadership. I mean, there's community leadership as well, but um, I'm probably principally talking about uh, leading, leading the, the, uh, the organisation. Um, uh, uh, you know, if I, had to, if I had to put my finger on one word, that would, uh, that would be it. Um, you know, obviously, you know, integrity and honesty, um, and you know, being able to build uh, a level of trust. Um, you know, I, I don't go for the you know all the technical skills and, and even strategic planning and even you know, uh, you know, you know all that sort of stuff. I, mean, I just think you know you've got to be a decent a decent person. You've got to be modest. Um, you know, there was there was a stage there where you know um, <clears throat> um, the shinier you were, the better you were. Um, you know. You get you know get all those extroverts um, that everyone thinks are fantastic uh, you know because they've you know, got a big mouth um, uh, you know it's often the introverts uh, who are the best leaders and uh, um, yeah yeah so I think it, you know those personal qualities are, are really what makes a leader are you are you a, are you actually a decent person because people um, if people are going to follow you. Um, they uh, they'll be able to assess whether or not you're a decent person and whether or not you'll you know you'll do what you say you're going to do. And Tim, you've had a very long career, mostly in local government. What would you say to yourself on your first day of work? Uh, what what would I say to myself? 
on your first day of work? Um, um, you made you, the right. You're gonna you're gonna live in Cuba PD one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't have seen that. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I think I. I suppose, Jack, as the question is, you know, you, you you know, you you're reaching the end of your career. Sadly, what yeah. would you say to the young Tim Jackson, the green, young, keen fellow? Uh, what would what sort of you know would you say to him? I don't know. Uh, what would you say to him? You know, just yeah. What, what, of... what I say, you made the right decision. Into going into local you, government, yeah, yeah, going into local government. I think you, you know, because I think um, uh, you know, it's 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 the level of government in Australia that's closest to the people. Uh, you know, even in cities, you're you're accountable, uh, uh, and um, you know, there's nowhere to there's really really nowhere to hide, and not like federal or state government if you're a you know public servant. Uh, um, so um, yeah, look, I I, you know, I think. Um, I think that's what I'd be, you know, I'd be saying, and uh, uh, you know, um, but you know, be sure that you know you your reason for being there is to serve the community. Uh, you know, it's you know, I, I know you know we have careers and all that sort of stuff, but um, it is about serving the community, and uh, um, so that you know that, that's what that's what I would I would say. And look, I, you know, I I. I, for somehow, somehow I knew I wanted to go into local government uh, when I was at school. I don't know how the hell I knew that. Um, and uh, uh, but then when I, when I think I think it was because, you know, I, I thought well I could actually make a difference in local government. I could actually see uh, the fruits of my labour. Uh, whereas you know if you're in a Commonwealth department in Canberra, <laughs> um, very very hard to see the, the fruits of your labour. Uh, so um, yes. Yeah, I, 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 I've got to say, I was impressed with my young self uh, in, in terms of thinking. Uh, that's what I, you know, that's why I, you know, that's why I went into local government. Terrific answer, Jacko. We thank Victorian Planning Reports, our very first supporter. If you want the A to Z of planning decisions in Victoria and excellent editorials, please get yourself a subscription to the VPRs. Details on our website. This podcast is supported by our wonderful friends at One Mile Grid. One Mile Grid is a boutique consulting firm which offers traffic and transport engineering, transport planning and waste management services. You can find out more by visiting their website at www.onemilegrid.com.au. Now, we're moving to Podcast Extra or Culture Corner, but Mm. before we get there, I've neglected to mention that your sister Virginia... Jackson is one of the Melbourne's best town planners. Um, also, uh, that you played 273 games of football and you're known for always wearing shorts. You're an outdoor fellow, right? Yeah. Just, yeah. Sorry, Jess, this is a bit of indulgence by me. But, Jacko, something you've read, seen, watched. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you go there, I need to ask Tim. What was Pete like at footy? Yeah, oh, well, that's uh, that's that's good. Yeah, um, um, and you, you like? have to tell the truth here. Yeah, yeah, I know. I have to tell it. Look, well, look, I, I, you know, this hurts me, um, but he was a good player. Um, he got a lot of the ball. He got a lot of the ball. Now, whether he shared it with other people. Uh, that's, that's well, a well, Jacko, the, the umpires love me. That's I'll just well, put it that well, way. Well, hang on, I was hang on, I was just going to get on, I was just going to get on to that. That's exactly right. He he certainly uh, the, the umpires absolutely loved him. You know, if you, if you remember those days of you know people throwing themselves on the ground um, and you know, faking a, a free kick. Uh, uh, Julie was a perfectionist uh, at that. Uh, so, uh, but no, look, he was uh, he, he was a very good, uh, very good footballer. Um, uh, he, uh, uh, yeah, he got a lot of the ball. He, uh, he, he covered a lot of territory on, on the ground. Um, he, um, yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd put him, and, and, and can I say durable as well? Uh, he never seemed to get injured. Uh, and, I, and I could be wrong there, Julie, but I don't remember you um, missing too many games. I was very durable too, to tell you the truth, but... Okay, you, you were you were indestructible on the halfback flank, but I mean, I I, I did have a, a broken jaw one year, but uh, so I don't remember okay, that. Yeah, uh, can I can I prompt you about the best and fairest as well, please? Sorry. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, then there were a couple of best and fairest in there, and you know, best clubman, and you know, all, all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, no, he was well, going well, never best clubman, but yes, yes, too best and fairest. But uh, <laughs> th- uh, thank you, thank you, Jacko. We, that, we, that's we gonna... can cut all this out. Pete, no, no, right? no, 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 yeah, no, yeah, no, we'll, no. we'll cut it all out. <laughs> no, no. Now, Jacko, how do you refresh and relax? Yeah. Um, uh, well, I, I, you know, physical activity is really the best um, thing for me. I've always, I've always been active. Um, yeah. So, um, uh, you know, walking, running. Um, but how do you do it in the heat up there, Jacko? I mean, 45 well, degrees. Yeah, well, that's true. Well, you run, you know, well, you run early in the morning and, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, you know, I ran, you know, I ran 11 kilometres yesterday morning. Um, it, it was, what was it yesterday? It was 38, 39, I think. Uh, but, um, yeah, you know, before the sun rises and, you know, it's a bit warm overnight. Yeah, so, but over the years, I've always used exercise as a way to clear clear my head. Uh, and, and as I said, um, uh, you know, those six weeks away, particularly when I was, a, you know, particularly when I was a CEO, um, in those, in those sort of, in that last decade, um, was really important to my sanity uh, because, uh, being a CEO is a pretty full-on role, uh, and um, yeah, and, and and that's why I went overseas. Well, I mean, I went overseas because I, I love to travel, but I also went overseas because they couldn't get me. You know, they couldn't. You know, the councillors couldn't be ringing me, or you know, uh, you know, staff. You know, I mean, these days I know it's much much easier to contact people overseas. You know, in those days it was. You know, you went overseas. That was it. You know, what you, you never attempted. You know, we had significant floods one year, and I was in South America. Um, and um, uh, you know uh, they didn't even, they didn't even bother to contact me because they couldn't because uh, I was in the, you know somewhere in the wilderness um, so uh, and they dealt with it they dealt with it fine you know the acting CEO did a did a fine job uh, so um, yeah I, you know for me it was for me it was about um, uh, you know it was it was about uh, exercise and I've got to say also you know exercising on my own. Um, because, you know, last thing you want to do, you know, when you've been talking to people all day uh, is then go out and run 10Ks and alongside someone and they're wanting to yap, yap, yap away. So, um, you, know, I, you know, and I guess, you know, that's also thinking time for me as well. You know, I could, I, I, I often wouldn't turn off necessarily, but I just, you know, give me a bit of clear air to, you know, think about, well, gee, what do I need to do about that issue, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah, so that's that's basically how I... I um I refresh and and, and, and and relax. Well well Jess, as I was saying, is a super durable play. He's like the what's that what's that uh rabbit that doesn't stop on those battery ads? <laughs> that uh the Duracell rabbit. That's the Energizer Bunny. That, so that's right. Sorry, <laughs> you've got it, Jess. Now Jess, what's your podcast extra? Um, I've just finished watching uh Madoff on Netflix, which is the story about, or the documentary really about um, Bernie Madoff. Um, I think it's the history's biggest Ponzi scheme. Have you okay. watched it? Haven't seen it, no. no. Very, very interesting. Highly recommend. What about you, Pete? Well, Jess, I've, I've uh, two things. I, I've been listening to Audible on my Jacko, You'll Be Ashamed of Me, Casual Walks Around the Tan. Um, okay, I, yeah, I, yeah. And uh, oh. I've been listening to Audible, Somerset Moore. He, was a very popular writer once, and he wrote he writes terrific short stories. So I need it, to get into Audible. Yeah, I feel like I get at, through books a lot quicker. <laughs> well, it it's just uh, you know walking around the town takes I don't know you know thirty five minutes or something, and and you you know you just get this thing going, and you the short stories are you know they're so well written, uh, mm. very hard to write short stories. And, and the other thing, Jacko, I'm a I'm a beekeeper and my bees were up in the country and starving basically or they weren't being productive because there wasn't enough food, even though there was heaps of land around them. So last Saturday night I um, loaded the hive into the back of the ute after dark and and brought them down to the coast. So uh, Hmm. just just studying. And so now all I do, I don't work anymore, Jacko. I should be working, but I just look at the bees. They're so (laughs) bloody productive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's mine. So, uh, listeners, if you can't get a beehive, but uh, <laughs> other, other than that, Jacko, you've been a marvelous, marvelous. Well, can I just can I just talk about that? I mean, what I, what I might I've been watching. I've been watching. Um... Oh, sorry, Jacko. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, skip 
Toby, you there? Sorry. Oh, sorry, uh, you're, you're our guest, Jack. Sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I just started watching some repeats of Utopia. It's fantastic. <laughs> and, and Jacko, just explain how, how, not to, how not to do things. Yeah, not to do things. Yeah. I mean, just, 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 just explain the TV show Utopia to our. I guess uh, overseas. Yeah, I should. Yeah, sorry. Thanks for thanks for doing that. So it was made. Oh, I don't know, fifteen years ago, I suppose. Um, but what it is is it's a federal government um, uh, construction uh, major project uh, authority, uh, and uh, uh, you know delivering. It's satire. Yeah, it's satire. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's and a satire. Yeah, absolute absolute satire, and uh, uh, and. Um, you know, yeah, so just all the machinations of, of government and, you know, why projects that shouldn't go ahead do, <laughs> so, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, and, and so much of it is so true. Uh, so, it's all about um, the press the press release and whatever yeah, the political... The minister, the minister, the minister and all that sort of stuff, that's exactly right. The, the advisors, the, the political advisors and et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah. I, see, I find I can't actually watch it anymore. I find it just too fairly accurate. To real life, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 amazing. Um, and the other thing, the the book, uh, and, and and again on Audible, I've just been um, listening to um, um, uh, uh, Sir Edmund Hillary's um, biography, uh, and it's on it's on Audible uh, as well. Um, so I've just just about finished that. So I'm, I'm, I should check, check most, out. Not, most not everyone. Know, no, yeah. The, so, uh, yeah, the first man up Everest. Uh, well, uh, him and Tenzing, um, who was who was a Nepalese, um, a Nepalese um, 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 Sherpa, um, uh, Sherpa people person, um, uh, made it to the top of Everest in in fifty three. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, uh, an amazing uh, uh, effort. Uh, they did use oxygen. Uh, but um, he's a New he's a New Zealander, and um, and Peter, you'll be uh, Peter. I called you, uh, um, Julie. Um, <laughs> you'll be interested. You'll be interested to know um, that his father was a beekeeper, and uh, and young Ed um, he, he dropped out of uni. Uh, he did a couple of years. I just can't remember what he was doing, but he did a couple of years at uni in New Zealand and dropped out, and then went to help his father with the bees. Uh, so. Um, but it's a yeah, fascinating, uh, very, very modest man. Uh, but I think what was really interesting in the book is because um, he did a lot of stuff, um, not just about climbing. Um, he went to the Antarctic and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and did, yeah, wrote lots of books and stuff like that. But um, a couple of things, I, observations I just make about him uh, is that our leadership, our leadership was really interesting when you're climbing Everest, uh, very autocratic. Incredibly autocratic, and it probably has to be. It can't be, <laughs> can't be democratic. Um, and uh, so that was real. And you know, the, the boss was the boss. You know, and uh, uh, and everyone agreed to that. So um, that that was really uh, really interesting. And um, and also, uh, if you're not aware, uh, he raised tens of millions of dollars to establish schools and hospitals in the Himalayas. Um, where there was nothing, there was nothing, um, no no education, no health, uh, uh, and um, you know over 30, 40 years uh, he raised, I said, tens of millions of dollars uh, to build schools and and, and hospitals in the, in the Himalayas. Um, yeah, fa- fascinating, um, fascinating man. Jacko, excellent recommendation. Just like everything you always say, excellent recommendations, except probably after ten o'clock at night. But uh, when we're out in the town, but Jacko, you've been a marvellous, marvellous guest. And uh, Jess, any final thoughts, Jess? Just a really, really interesting interview. I think um, your observations about local government are really invaluable. And I think a lot of our listeners will take a lot away from that. And obviously, I've really enjoyed hearing more and learning more about Kubafiti. So thank you. Thanks for being here today. Jacko, thanks. You, thanks, thanks, Jess. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more of our podcasts, hit the follow button on Spotify or the like button on SoundCloud or the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts. Please also visit our Instagram page, LinkedIn or website for behind the scenes footage of our podcasts and to get the latest on upcoming or recently released episodes. If you have any suggestions or feedback, 
please get in touch via our social media channels or by emailing planningexchange at gmail.com. A special shout out also to Jack Babbage, who does such an incredible job in producing this podcast. 